Hey, it's Steve P. Young from the Mobile App Chat Podcast, and you are listening to the App Guy Podcast with Paul Kemp. The App Guy Podcast. Straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy. Sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. The App Guy Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the App Guide podcast. It is me, Paul Kemp. I'm your host, and it's my job to bring you the best guests from around the world. You know, really learn from their experiences, their journeys. And it's with great pleasure that I've got um, Michael Kraus, Mike Kraus. And you can find out about Michael by going to mdkraus.com. That's M-D-K-R-A-U-S-E.com. It's a great website. I recommend going and checking it out. And uh, Mike's got a lot of things to his name, but he's uh, primarily, I guess, an author. And uh, he's written a number of different books, uh, Sell or Sync and Smart Prospecting to be two. But uh, Mike, it's just a warm welcome to you on the App Guy podcast. Oh, yes, Paul. I'm, I'm happy to talk with you today and uh, I look forward to our conversation. Thanks again for your time. No, thank you for your time. I mean, we're very appreciative. So perhaps you could just tell us, uh, I guess, give us a bit of background on yourself and how it is that you, uh, I guess, became an author and a consultant and a strategist. You know, maybe can you give us a, a flavor of uh, how, what, what journey led you to this? Oh, the journey is familiar to probably some of your listeners. Uh, you know, I, I spent a successful career in corporate America, I traveled all over, primarily most of the United States, northeast of the United States, and um, I was selling products and services into attorneys, into CPA firms. Uh, I sold legal research, and uh, also I sold an online advertising portal called Lawyers.com. And then um, I also got into credit card processing with First Data and uh, had a lot of uh, success in that business. And then after a certain amount of time, like some of your listeners might resonate with, that uh, you decide to maybe go on your own and and try things yourself. Um, Sometimes corporate life is fun, uh, and sometimes sometimes an entrepreneur is always trapped in that box, and uh, that entrepreneur had to get back out into doing things that he wanted to do. So, Well, I love that story, and we've just come off an episode with... uh a guest called Steve Olsher and he had that same thought but it took him uh, like the death of his father to realize that he, he just had to make a change and, and um, beca- do something different you know because when do you tend to know that what it is you're doing is getting you down and you, you need to make a change I mean how did, how did you actually acknowledge that was it externally from people telling you or was it your own sort of inner ambition to to make a change that is a great question. And uh, yes, sometimes it does take that horrific event, a, a loss to realize that, you know, we are here for a short time and uh, you, know, you need to do things that you want to do in life. And if it's different success, but it took me about two years to make that choice. And it's on my business card, the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result and cited by Albert Einstein. But that's was when I was going insane. When I was trying to go from job to job, corporate jobs, I recognized that it wasn't the job. It was me. It, it wasn't, uh, you know, another base salary or a bigger commission or uh, maybe a company car or any of those other things that you're chasing when I was in my upper 20s, lower 30s. 
And it was more than that. I decided that, you know, that wasn't the, the pinnacle of my life is the income obviously is important, but I, I wanted to try something new. And if I didn't try something new, I knew I was just going to become more frustrated later on in life and not be as happy as I currently am. It did take a lot of work and dedication. As most entrepreneurs know, it's you sacrifice everything. You put everything on the line. And if anyone tells you differently, they haven't done it. Uh, the entrepreneur is your is the biggest um, and most successful thing you can ever do in your life, but it's also the biggest challenge. But I think when you achieve anything by yourself, it feels so good. And that was it. So I took two years and I, I went through a lot of psychology profiles. So I wanted to really understand myself. So I took a lot of tests of strengths, weaknesses, DISC is out there, D-I-S-C. And that's actually in the first chapter of my book, Smart Prospecting. Uh, and it kind of gives you the, the psychology of yourself and how you make decisions and what's your strengths and weaknesses. And then I went through, uh, you know, was I going to buy a business or was I going to start a business or what, what was I going to do? And I really get, came down to is that I didn't want to buy someone else's problems, kind of like when you buy a used car. And then I said, well, I really like consulting. And I like helping people achieve their goals. So that's when I became a, a sales consultant for myself. And that's when I started writing books. And, um, you know, the book is, is just awesome. Seller Sync gives you kind of 72 questions that you ask yourself as an entrepreneur to put yourself in that position. Because we work so much on our business or, excuse me, in our business instead of on our business. And it really does help you focus on that a little bit more. But to answer this question, it, it took some time. And I, I really encourage people when they come to me and ask me, you know, Mike, you escape corporate life. You know, what are you going to do? And, and you really have to think it through before you make that leap of faith. You just have to think it through. Well, what this podcast tries to do is really paint a realistic picture for all those people now currently in jobs who are attracted to becoming like perhaps an indie app developer or an entrepreneur or a business owner. And the lifestyle is very attractive at the moment. There's a lot of resources out there that would lead you to believe that you could have like this awesome lifestyle, uh, traveling around the world, uh, working as a digital nomad, location independent. And I think some people are perhaps, I, me certainly, I was disillusioned when I came into this with overly optimistic, uh, I guess, uh, uh, um, overly optimistic ideas about what my life would be and it took me you know certainly two three years of a mindset change to get out of corporate and into this entrepreneurial world so what could you say to people thinking about making that change now is it best to do it as a part-time uh, gig you know on a side and, and slowly build up something before then leaving uh, is it best to take a trial period and go back to work you know is there any a guidance you can give us you know, that's another wonderful question, Paul. The guidance I would say is um, I became disillusioned too the first two or three years. Now I've been on my own about six, seven years. So I've gone through that delusional phase because in the beginning, you are you have a lot of freedom. You kind of have that no uh, no fear. And then, then reality comes. Uh, bills start coming. Uh, the, the income it hasn't come in as fast as you thought because your idea or your widget or your app hasn't taken off like you thought. Because we all think our great, our idea is the best. But until you do a lot of market testing and you really do trial and error, then you'll find out if it's the best. But one, one of the things that I would recommend is it's on cash flow. At least have 12 to 18 months of cash. 
um, that you can sustain your life on in a, in a separate checking account because you're going to go through cash faster than you ever thought because your income is not going to be what you think. So I think the best bet is two choice. Uh, number one, if you do have a significant amount of money that you don't mind spending on, on just living expenses, not in talking about your business, and you're able to sustain, you will ramp up faster because you're dedicated to one thing. And, and you know that old cliche statement, um, uh, master, ma jack of, master of jack of all trades, master of none. You know, it resonates. So if you're really going to get into something, get into it 100 percent. On the other hand, the other option is maybe a hybrid. Maybe you've been very successful in your corporate job and they wouldn't mind having you on as a consultant and a consultant gets paid more than your current wage. So maybe you could say, hey, I could I could do 10, 15 hours at a higher rate and still work these projects in my current in your current business but i'm going to go out on my own and be very transparent and i know that's worked for a couple of people that i've talked to and they never thought of that idea is yes you know your when you leave your corporate life or your corporate job that space needs to be filled and if you've done a great job and you've gotten respect from your colleagues and your peers they don't mind paying you to keep on because they like your advice. And if you're a good worker, they'll keep you on. But then maybe you don't have to do as many hours and then you can you can um, kind of have it on, kind of have the best of both worlds for a little bit. That's only going to last about six months because eventually they're going to find someone to replace you. But on the other hand, you're walking away, you're going to be making more money and you're working less hours. So. Well, that is great advice. And I wish I'd taken that advice uh, when I left work. Uh, I was in a six-figure salary and uh, really wanting to make a change. And uh, I wish I'd also listened to you about the 12 to 18 months of cash flow, because I think that uh, people listening should be very aware that your mindset is currently, as you leave, uh, still in the uh, the, the fact that you're earning and uh, you, you, it takes a while to get used to the up and down world of being an entrepreneur. And you're right. It's just so easy to spend cash on new businesses. <laughs> so, yeah, I uh, I burned a lot of cash. Oh, yeah. I blew a lot of cash, too, Paul. I mean, and when I look back on just frivolous things, I was sponsoring events for, you know, for these huge banquets and and you can throw money out the window very fast on marketing. And that's one of the cautions I would definitely say. I know everyone wants a quick fix, including myself. And the one thing that I would caution all entrepreneurs is watch the marketing budget. You know, if you're going to go out to Google and play the pay-per-click campaign or the SEO or you're going to sponsor events, be very careful because those don't always pay off as quick as one might think. And I've spent a lot of money on pay-per-click and search engine optimization. And frankly, I've gotten very little out of it. It's not one of those 100% guarantee things. The other thing before stepping away from corporate life, downsize. I sold my big house and um, I, I went to a smaller house. I got rid of as many things as I, I possibly could. I cut all the frivolous. Uh, I don't even have cable. I don't even have uh, paid TV. And I, I don't miss that at all anyways. But my point is cut as many things as you can because, as Paul has mentioned, your, your pay is not going to be there and all these frivolous expenses you just go through your expenses and say, do I really need this? Is this something that's going to help me grow my business? And frankly, a lot of it, you won't. You can live on less during those startup years just so that you have that cash flow. I can't stress that enough because the number one reason 
at least here in the states, according to the Small Business Administration, 65% of businesses will be out of business within five years, and that's because of cash flow. They just don't have enough burn to for, to to uh, excuse me to sustain themselves. Yeah, and I think that's also a really good lesson for startups. We've had a number of founders of startups on this show, and they just uh, mon- they talk about monitoring the burn of cash, the rate of uh, cash that's being used, because that's their lifeblood to keep the startup going. And uh, yes, yeah, a great a great piece of advice. And almost uh, as you were talking, I was thinking, well, Google is rich and uh, one of the world's most uh, lucrative uh, companies for a reason. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, Paul, I call those, it. The, all that money I call on. it. I call it the casino. I mean, when you get into those pay-per-click things and these algorithms, you you know, it's just no different than sitting down in front of a slot machine. It, it's um, it's no different, and you can watch your money go away very quickly. Um, actually, one thing that I wouldn't mind going back and adding to, because I know you're you're speaking to a lot of IT people, a lot of app developers, and I'm on the sales side. I've always been in sales, and I don't really have a strong IT background, so I applaud people that have that skill. My skill, though, is to sell. And what I find when I'm doing a lot of consulting with customers in, let's say, they're an engineer or they're an IT or an architect or what have you, a very sophisticated, highly technical skilled job, they um, don't know how to sell. Uh, And one of the things that I will caution entrepreneurs right up front is you need to be a salesman day one. And if that doesn't appeal to you, you need to find someone else to sell your stuff because your your product, your um, widget, your app is you. And if you're not comfortable selling that, then I would find someone that's very comfortable selling that because that's the problem I see with IT and engineer folks is that um, they don't want to go out and make the prospect calls. They don't want to go on sales calls. They kind of just want to be left alone to make their their widget or their app better. And and in the case of that, it's only going to get you so far because you're going to have to meet people. You're going to have to sell them your idea so that you can make revenue off of them later. I couldn't agree more. And I mean, I came from a sales background as well in finance and uh, just seeing the fund managers, uh, they, they were great at uh, managing other people's money. But when it came to selling their own fund, you know, to institutional investors, uh, they, some found it very embarrassing. Uh, they were uh, quite poor, actually, at uh, doing that because uh, it's two different skills, isn't it? The selling and then creating. And uh, I just feel that some people... Uh, I actually think selling is rather easy, especially with all these tools that we have now. And it's actually uh, quite challenging. It's very challenging. And um, that's why I think McGraw-Hill picked up my book, you know, Smart Prospecting that works every time. It is because people don't want to prospect. And that's what I've done my entire life is prospect, introduce myself. And there's certain messages and there's certain approaches that work. And there's some ways that don't. And we can talk about Steve Jobs here for a second. He, he was a creator, an IT kind of guy, and but he was a salesman, true and true. And that that's something to really focus on. He was always out there presenting. I mean, he's, the books that he's written or had written for him on pre- presentations and selling styles is really because of him. I mean, then he was an IT person. Now, of course, that could be very argumentative. You know, people think that sometimes he wasn't. But my point is that he was the face of Apple. And that really was what what you need to do 
as an IT person or an engineer or a software developer, you really have to be the face of your product and you have to be comfortable in your own skin to, to pitch your idea to potential buyers. Well, that's a good lesson for us all because we do sometimes, I think, as uh, indie app developers, uh, business owners, we hide behind our computer, our software, our idea. And uh, it just sometimes takes some hard selling, as you say, which make, makes us feel uncomfortable. Now, they're just moving on. I mean, you're, you are, um, I believe you're a smartphone owner. You have an iPhone. Is that right? Yes, I do. Yeah, I love my so, iPhone. Well, we love to build apps for your iPhone. So maybe uh, we could ask you, uh, you could perhaps give us uh, one or two of the apps that you really love or you'd like to mention on this show. Sure. One of the apps that I've uh, recently started is actually Success Wizard. I'm always trying to hone my skills and it's a really great app. It's kind of like a personal life coach and results creation and it'll send you little tidbits of tips all day. You know, what made you upset today? What made you happy today? What what was your success today? And it kind of is like a little personal coach that keeps me focused on um, my personal development. I'm always trying to get a little better each day to, to maybe not make the same mistakes as I did, frankly, to sound a little bit uh, conceited. I just don't want to make those mistakes again. So, <laughs> And as developers, and if you're out there on an island and you don't have resources, let's say, to have a personal coach or that's just not your thing, there's a lot of great apps out there. And I, I like the success with Wizard because it, it was something really nice and it keeps me on task to do that. That sounds a great app. Actually, I was thinking of episode 77 where we almost fleshed out an idea for an app and it sounds very similar to what we were actually hoping for. So yeah, I think you've uncovered a really nice app there. I'll certainly be using that one going forward. Yeah. Uh, any others that you tend to use uh, in your either business or your personal life? Sure. Um, it's called Okla, O-O-K-L-A, and it's a speed test. So um, right now I've, I'm back in the payment space, so I put in a lot of point-of-sale equipment, you know, iPad-based point-of-sale uh, systems and uh, to help retailers uh, establish a, a better business flow, do paperless receipts, uh, do texting, marketing, and uh, it's called Vantive Mobile. But one of the things that I use is this free speed test to see how strong their internet is so that I can make a recommendation. We have Time Warner in the area, and then I can call my inside colleague to say, hey, I need more bandwidth, I need less bandwidth. But I think it's a great free app, and it, it can gives me my speed test right there, and um, it goes out to the network and pings it back and down so I can I can show the customer that this is their network instead of just asking them, okay, what do you have? 10 and one, 20 and two. Uh, I can actually say that this is, this is them. So it kind of gives me that inside information to their network and it's really helpful. And it's, it's also impactful to the customer. Yeah. We've got something over here called speed test, which I think is probably has an association with uh, the, the one you're talking about. Yep. And I just got so excited the other day I was in London I managed to pick up a 4g uh, signal and uh, it, it almost went off the roof on this, uh, this speedometer. It was just great to see it whiz over to the right. And it's the fastest uh, mobile connection I'd ever had. And so, but I think the US uh, 4G is pretty uh, uh, popular. And I guess it's quite good coverage over there for uh, 4G. Yes, we're, you know, 4G is out there and it definitely is popular. And the speed, it's unbelievable where we've come from in the internet speed. 
you know, remember it used to even get an email, you used to have to wait for the page to come back up. And now it's just liquid. It's just unbelievable <laughs> yeah. how fast these, the internet, and I'm on my iPhone more than my PC. I mean, I really, really am. And I think there's a new stat out there that 50% of all traffic is off a mobile device, which is powerful. So uh, half of the traffic is on a mobile device. You know, I, Mike, I just love doing this show because uh, we, we like to flesh out potential ideas for apps. And I've always just had a, a feeling that we could have an app that reminds us what the internet used to be like 10 years ago. So an app that would mimic the time it took to open an email or the time it took to actually download a page. And do you remember the scroll? It used to scroll down and you'd get a line by line and it eventually would load up. <laughs> and if we, if we could have an app just to sort of call it... Um, you know, uh, you're so lucky with the internet now or, so, you know, something like that. And it would just be an app that would remind us of uh, how it used to be uh, 10 years ago. It, that would be really cool because, uh, for example, um, before I got my iPhone 5, I had an iPhone 4 and that was bulletproof. It lasted four years, but I left it out in the cold and it froze to death. So I feel bad for it. But um, that, anyways, on that, I only had 3G and I handed it to a friend. And he goes, um, I go, well, here, use my phone, get on the Internet. He goes oh, that. And then he, he started plugging in and it didn't come up fast enough because he was used to 4G. He goes, oh, keep it. I don't want to use this phone. So, I mean, that's how <laughs> it, it's kind of funny, Paul, that he doesn't even want to wait. And 3G is not that slow, you know, but he, he it was a huge difference to him from that 4G to the 3G. Yeah, it reminds me of the episode we had with uh, Bob Caspi, and uh, he was just reminding us that technology does feel like it's going at a kind of slow pace as we're, we're living day to day. But when you start to look back over longer periods of time, you realize just how far we've come. But uh, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, so talking about fleshing out an app idea, uh, the way we, way we like to do this on this show is to talk about your current business and any particular pain points that you're suffering from, any frustrations, uh, and maybe we could... You know, ask you just to, to think about that because it could lead us to thinking of an app or two that could solve some of those real pain points and, you know, problem solving. So uh, do you have any frustrations in your business right now? Well, one of the things that I've always kind of wanted to, to get into a little bit from a sales coaching background is that I feel um, there should be an app that, and, and there's similar ones out there, but for example, for a salesperson that's in a call that doesn't have the answer uh, for, an, for an objection or if they were in some sort of situation that he or she could step out of that boardroom, pretend to go to the bathroom, go to, the, go to their app and say, hey, you know, this is my objection on pricing of this software. And that app wizard would tell you this is how you handle it, because sometimes we get stage fright. And we, we don't we get tongue tied or something like that. And if there could be a virtual sales coach to help people during a sales call that was live, that had similar situations, that that would be something that I think a lot of people are suffering from because they don't have that side by side leadership um, to answer those questions. And if your manager's not there and you're by yourself, I mean, you really don't have anyone else to rely on. Um, that's a great idea. I really do think because, you know, the iPhones, as you say, are becoming so fast and I could almost envisualize this app that you could repeat the objection and it would voice recognize the objection and it would then present on the app itself uh, the solution to trying to talk around that objection. 
whilst you're in the call. Yep. And it's it's I think it's going to be more of those apps in the future of this being part of my virtual self. Uh, you know, these are the things that I like. These are the things that I'm going to do and just kind of be an aggregate of all the data out there that says, OK, these are the things that you can handle from your question. And just having it a little bit more of a, a succinct, not just going and Googling things and figuring out yourself. It kind of takes the best of the best of what's been out there from credible resources and kind of pulls it in together. And I think aggregation is definitely going to be more what we're seeing, I think, in just data and apps is kind of getting the best of the best, um, not not being so loyal. In other words, if you go for like I have restaurant.com as an app on my phone. Well, that restaurant.com, I know you kind of have to pay to play to get on that. So it's a little bit of biased. But if I'm looking for a restaurant, I would I want to take the whole sum of aggregation of every single comment out there, of everything along the way, and be unbiased to get me a best recommendation. Yeah, I'm thinking back to uh, a recent uh, episode that I heard somewhere, and it was really the, the argument was that we want uh, – technology and people to curate our lives and uh, i feel that you know with information overload i mean a lot of people suffering from information overload with email and with just this abundance of information and content out there that we just get confused and we basically want apps technology to curate our life so that we can just trust you know people that have the expertise in exactly what we're looking for like you know trusting you with your you know sales proven sales skills and your books and and just giving us those solutions to those obstacles and, and not having to wade through uh, minefields of information exactly and there, there was a stat I did a presentation uh, a while back and I, I always remember that the average person receives 4200 images per day or some sort of solicitation or it's a text or it's a message or it's subliminal logo uh, you know, it's, it's, we're in there. So it's on TV, you're getting a commercial every 30 seconds, you're getting pop-ups if you're on Pandora. I mean, you really are inundated on a day-to-day -day basis of 4,200 images. Uh, in other words, 4,200 solicitations. And you can just start, if you're listening to this right now, looking around your desk, look how many logos are in front of you. Look at your clothing, look at anything. And you are really, it's hard to break through with that technology, and I agree with that argument, technology and people, how do they embrace each other? You're right, actually, yeah. I do feel that we are overwhelmed sometimes with advertising messages. And maybe, I mean, have you got a view on the new way to sell? I mean, clearly, you know, with podcasting, with blogs, with all this uh, engagement, uh, personal brands like yourself are really I guess, coming to the highlight of, of people's attention. And it's because you build trust up with the audience over a long extended period of time, uh, rather than, you know, like a, a cold call, uh, straightforward uh, pitch immediately. And uh, do, do you think that it, it's better to almost groom the, you know, the customers over a long extended period of time rather than, uh, you know, just try and jump on them and uh, sell them something straight away? Paul, I wish it was like, uh, and I'm not that old. I'm 41, but um, I, I wish I, uh, I wish it was a little bit like the old days uh, when you just had that trust with your sales representative, and you know, trust is kind of out the window a little bit because the, the average consumer knows 
that they can just Google something or they can double check you or triple check you uh, or quadruple check you. And so I think what it does need to do is you need to be an expert in your field. And one of the reasons I wrote my, the book is to become an expert. So like what you're doing with um, you know, your, your radio interview here, this is powerful because you're, you're becoming the expert. If you're writing or if you're putting out best practices, you're becoming an expert. And I think that's the way to sell. Um, and the grooming, I'd like to touch on that word because that's a great word. The grooming takes over a year. That's the sales studies that I have seen. So it takes one year on average for your consumer to buy your product. And it starts as simple as, you know, maybe they see you or heard you or referenced you, but then the timing's not right yet. And the, one of the biggest things that I think any app developer or anything is timing. We're always trying to fight timing. And right now, only 4% of our market is ready for us. That means 96% of us are waiting in the queue, which could be up to a year in the sales process. So grooming, staying in touch with people, sending out handwritten thank you notes, asking for referrals um, is really important. And going out there, if you're not out there on sales calls yet, start with the people you know. Go out and practice your pitch and then ask them for a referral. Go, hey, you know, now you've heard what I'm doing here. Do you have anyone that I could talk to in a similar situation? I think that's one of the best ways, but writing, getting an email list together, doing broadcasts like this, doing a webinar, uh, getting your information out there and spend and spreading your, your seeds in a big cornfield because it's going to take a long time for those seeds to germinate and you need to keep always throwing out new seeds. Well, Michael, I could uh, go on with this podcast forever because I'm loving the subject. I, uh, you know, from a sales background myself, I, uh, I'm, I just, uh, I've really, uh, I guess, warmed to all the comments you have uh, shared with us, and it's been a very valuable lesson. But unfortunately, we've got to say goodbye at some point. And uh, perhaps before we do, uh, what do you think you could leave uh, us with? You know, what's what would be your parting guidance to us uh, in? in uh, what we're doing? You know, I, I think it's number one is uh, don't fall in love with your idea. And that, that might sting a little bit to all of us. But, you know, sometimes we have to say goodbye to our ideas and um, ask yourself, is it strong enough to have what's the market research? What is the data support? What is this? What is that? I mean, if you're trying to come up with the next Angry Birds, that that's great. Uh, but you know, that's been done. So if you're chasing that, we have to chase something different, but I think don't fall in love with your idea too much. And the second thing is have cash flow. Can't stress that enough because I've seen a lot of great people and a great ideas, you know, sadly go back to corporate life because they just couldn't sustain, they couldn't uh, hang on and their idea wasn't strong enough. Uh, so they had to, to go back to, to corporate life. So, and then the third thing definitely have a plan. And I know business plans, you know, yes, everyone has a business plan, but really people don't really spend a lot of time on it. Get a focus group together, get some market research together, ask a lot of people a lot of great questions before you make that leap of faith. Then if you're planned, you have cash flow and you don't want to fall in love with your idea, I think you can be successful. I think entrepreneurship is the best thing in the world that can be offered to anyone to go out there and put your stake in your ground and really make it happen. And I encourage everyone to at least try it, but be cautious. And again, have the cash flow, the plan, and don't fall in love with your idea, and you'll be successful. 
Now, that is terrific. And I just thinking about uh, falling in love with your idea, it's, it's ironic that we can look around us and think that's a terrible idea. And, you know, we, we have these shows. Uh, you have Shark Tank. We have Dragon's Den. Uh, we've had some guests from Shark Tank and the official author. And uh, time and time again, these ridiculous ideas come and uh, the we just can't believe people have invested, you know, sometimes a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollars in what clearly is not going to work. Right. But they fall in love with their idea and they just keep throwing money at it and they marketing and they just trying to push, push, push. And some of the most successful people on this show have uh, actually done that in reverse. They have gone to their audience before even building anything and got them to pay for something that before it's even um, started uh, and almost like that pre-validation of an idea seems to be a very popular way of uh, actually getting something to market that works. I agree. And it's also begin with the end in mind. You know, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. If you haven't read that book, read that book. That's my favorite book. Yeah, my, you, so, so you've, awesome. you've been on my profile. You must have, you must have seen my Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so true. Like what you were saying, Paul, you know, ask your audience what they want. Don't try to put a, a square into a round hole or a round into a square. I mean, ask them what they want and deliver that product. Because it's only one of you that thinks it's a great idea. The rest of us probably don't. I remember Shark Tank too, and I know we got to close down here. You know, she had these disposable sheets idea, and I'm thinking to myself, no one wants to sit on a, a scratchy sheet, even though it's disposable. I, you know what I mean? It, it, it's it's. But she spent a lot of money in these things, and you can just clearly see it with those shows. I haven't seen Dragons Den. I got to look that up. But with Shark Tank. You know, you can clearly see a lot of people have put blood, sweat, and tears on the line and uh, that for nothing. So just be cautious. Yes, very good. Um, so before we do get to say goodbye, it's great if we could uh, ask you to share how we can connect with you and reach out if we uh, wanted to just follow up on some of the things that you've been uh, talking about. Sure. Uh, MD Kraus, M-D-K-R-A-U-S-E dot com is a great way to start on all my LinkedIn, YouTube. I have a hundred videos out there on sales strategies. I have my books out there on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. But, and then LinkedIn, Michael Krause uh, was put in the search and I love connecting with people all over the world and I'm an open networker and uh, you never know when paths cross. And I think that's one of the best things about social media is that it really, that's how you and I met Paul. So it's a great way to get your brand out there and great your identity out there is just get involved in social media. Open up a Facebook page, open up a LinkedIn, and it'll really help your business grow. No, I couldn't agree more. But Michael, it's just been a wonderful journey. You've inspired me to go on and do a few different things that I'm doing in my business. And I just really appreciate you being so open and really full of great content. So thanks for joining us on the App Guide podcast. And we'll definitely have you back anytime that you have another opening. Paul, thank you so much. And I appreciate all your time as well. And have an awesome day. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode. If you want to be a guest on the show or suggest someone, then please send an email to info at onemob.com. The App Guy Podcast.